Welcome back. This is Chunky Glass of the Podcast. This is episode number 70. Uh, we are getting closer and closer to uh, our goal of 100 uh, podcasts for this year of 2014. In case you didn't know, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do. Um, at any rate, uh, we've been talking about doing album dissections or just talking about an album as a theme for a podcast for quite a while now. Uh, last week, an album that is near and dear to my heart, along with, uh, I think, millions of others, uh, Prince's Purple Rain turned 30. Uh, the effect that album had on culture, had on me, had on, again, millions of other people cannot be uh, overstated. Uh, there was the soundtrack, there was the film, there was the music of the time around it, there was everything. Uh, it was the opposite of what was going on on radio in 1984, and yet it had everything in it that was going on on radio in 1984. In fact, at one point, Prince had the number one single, the number one album, and the number one film in the country at the same time, a feat which, uh, if it has been repeated... I don't think it's been done much. Uh, at any rate, uh, we are all in for Purple Rain here. Uh, so to talk about this, uh, Adam stopped by as usual. Uh, my good friend Derek, he has shot a couple shows for us. Uh, I've known Derek for about 15 years now, I, I guess, and we originally bonded over Prince. Uh, and so his first time coming on the podcast, and our friend Marcus Dowling, who um, he'll tell you at the beginning of the podcast, Pretty much works rights for everybody, uh, so it was a thrill to have him on and Derek and Adam as usual. Um, so yeah, that's about it. Uh, it's about hour long conversation, um, not too much rambling. I hope not. Not rambling like this for sure. Uh, so I think we should probably get to it. Uh, this is episode number seventy of Chunky Glasses, the podcast. Us talking about uh, Prince's Purple Rain on the occasion of its thirtieth birthday. And Prince, please don't sue us for using some of your music because we love you. Here you go. Okay. It happens here. And it finishes here. Two men enter. One man leaves. It was nearly a two-word review. It just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up and join smoking. That right there is a logical power. Electric word life. Electric word life. It does. It, it means a mighty long time. Right. Uh, it means thirty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the team old uh, edition of the podcast. Team yeah. Geezer. Yeah, uh, Adam, you are back in the basement. Yeah, man. Double first, Derek finally was able to get you on. Thank you, sir, <laughs> for coming out. How you doing? Uh, Marcus Stalling. Hey. You as well. Uh, Marcus, I, I would try and say who all you write and work for. And yeah. Everything. It's oh, impossible. The okay, list is yeah, just fucking too um, long. Complex magazines do androids dance. I also write for... Uh, <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> let's see. Uh, I write for Medium, which is a part of Twitter. Uh-huh. I also write for... I've uh, written for the Washington City Paper. I also currently write for Hip Hop DX. Um, I do stuff for On Tap Magazine. I'm all over the place. Yeah. So, yeah, I write a ton of stuff. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Uh, we are here to talk about uh, 30 years ago, this past week, uh, an album dropped uh, made by Prince. 
the name of Purple Rain, uh, I think it's fair to say it pretty much changed the landscape. I don't know that there's been an album like it since. Uh, and I don't know that there was one like that before. Uh, it, so it was like you were saying, this was his sixth album, correct? Yeah, yeah, sixth uh, album. And Derek, you were saying you wanted to do uh, 1999. In 1999, I think, was he was making inroads into like the culture um, as far as putting his albums out. They actually hit, got on singles on the radio and stuff like that. But before that, you know, you're you're looking at an era when like songs like Footloose are like you know in the top yeah. ten and everything. Well, I mean, this is Footloose, the Go Go's, and all that stuff. Prince made some inroads though. Prince, uh, like a, I'm thinking of that song Delirious. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one and um, controversy. Well, Absolutely, he, controversy. Well, he started a whole scene out there in Minneapolis. Yeah. And everybody was trying to. To copy, copy the Minneapolis sound. Interesting that it's Minneapolis, though. You know, I mean, that's just where he was. But I mean, you, you never think of Minneapolis as the funkiest place on the planet. But for a while, well, it was. It's, it's, it's like it's all people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If it's cold and it's winter, I mean, Wisconsin's the same. You get nothing else better to do in the winter time, so you make a crap load of music. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, and there's actually a really good compilation sort of leading up to that uh, Purple Snow that Numero put out. Uh, where you see a lot of all these artists, uh, a lot of it is Prince. Like it's, it's not his yeah. name on it, but it's him doing it. Uh, working with uh, Morris Day at the time, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, uh, all these people uh, creating a sound. And yeah. I think that, and you correct me if I'm wrong, there that that song that sound sort of peaked a little on 1999. That was that was a really perfect crystallization yeah. of that, that. Was yeah, that was the that was the big part of the scene. Yeah. Yeah. So that scene of Prince and, well, yeah, like you said, it was, it was mainly Prince, but. but. Yeah, Prince Prince struck me as the, I think from what I understand of it, Prince was like the, he had, apparently when he was about 18, when he got signed, he got a three album deal and complete mm-hmm. creative control at age mm-hmm. 18. Who does, who gets yeah. that? Well, who, like, who, who gets like are the, what eighteen year old floating around nowadays is well, going to get complete creative that, control and gets from to a play everything level. on your on your totally. album yeah. that level of trust gets to produce right. your album gets yeah the, I'd like to hear the demos yeah. that got him that three album yeah. deal that era know? was crazy though because you had like the 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 death of disco mm. nobody went to trust funk because you trusted disco and disco like exploded right we trusted you with funk <laughs> yeah. and then you turned it into yeah, disco yeah it's like okay just, but no, but it's like, there was like disco and then like there's like the funk that came after disco but nobody <clears> really <throat> wanted to like push that as like mainstream right but the music that prince is making is so good and like record executives are completely out of sorts like well what do we do what do we what do we push what do right. we make and it's like well this kid makes great music so let's just so he like fill in a great like void like a space in music where he could have cre- complete creative control. In that sense, I'm willing to bet that being in Minneapolis kind of helped because it was sort of like unpollin. There, was, there wasn't a lot of cross pollinization right. from other funk or disco oriented scenes in Minneapolis. Yeah, you know what I mean. He yeah. kind of like he kind of had. I think they all had to sort of create their own thing from scratch because it wasn't like they were getting all the good radio stations. You know, right in, no, in, and, uh, in and Minneapolis. And that's what in the it, beginning, Prince was mainly played on black stations. And, that, yeah. and, that, and that's sort yeah, of what, so, what I was saying is, yeah. is that because this was. It was making inroads into the the larger culture at the time, which was definitely a wider culture. Right. I mean, you know, this is like early '80s and stuff. Uh, and so, 1999, I think pierced that bubble a little bit. Yeah, he started being played on mainstream mm-hmm. radio. I mean, before you could hear Prince, who was it? Um, Don Kirshner, 
Remember John Kirby? Yeah. Yeah. Rock concert. Right. Rock concert. Right. He would play sure. videos and he would play, you know, videos by the police and every, he'd throw in. I'm now going to bring a guy from Minneapolis, uh, <laughs> Prince. Yeah. You know, and then your Prince come out wearing his, his overcoat and panties and high heels. You know, yeah. Just freaking everybody's mind. Right? Yeah. So he'd already accomplished, I think, a good bit. And then along comes this. And I ignore, like, breaking through, like, race barriers, like... Like I was saying, there's nothing that sounded like it. He had the number one film, soundtrack, and single in the country at the same time. Yeah. This broke down, I think, everything you could relate. I mean, I was, I was 12 when this came out. Song like When Doves Cry comes on the radio right after Huey mm-hmm. Lewis. Yeah, and it came there's out. There's no, like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, here's a, yeah, here's a song, No Bass Line. Yeah. 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 For his first thing, bass player, I recognize. No bass line. What the <laughs> hell? And uh, it comes out before the movie, before mm-hmm. the album. Yeah. So it's it's always it's just, it's it's just boom. And this video of him in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Prince in the bathtub. Yeah, absolutely. Just Prince and, uh, chilling. And it's, uh, just, it's, it's shocking. It blew everybody's mind, but you couldn't help the dance of this song. It was mm. insane. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. it was so audacious. Like the whole thing of it was, it was because this wasn't like this wasn't on you know predominantly black stations anymore. This was in the Z100 top ten countdown every. Yeah. It was at the top of it. It was number one for a long time. So you have people in sub. I mean, I was in Southwest Virginia, so you have people down there seeing that video and being scared all the fuck. When, <laughs> so when the movie came out. So we were talking about, I had to ask. I said, because rated R, um, some some sexy scenes in there. And I had to ask. I said, hey, Mom, can I watch Purple Rain? Because I've been hearing this song. I think they played that. Purple Rain was another single. Let's Go Crazy was Let's a single. Let's Go Crazy, yeah. Um, and it's this is blowing my mind in a way that like hadn't happened ever. Like Because all I'm listening to is Go-Go's and Kenny Loggins and shit like that. And she watched so Prince it. saved your life, basically. Sort of. Uh, Prince saved his life and helped the sexual awakening of a lot of white girls. In this country. <laughs> no, it's so real. Well, my mom watches it and goes, you can't watch it. It's too licky. <laughs> no, you know what? Interestingly enough, man, I remember, I remember a lot of guys used to say, because it was an R-rated mm-hmm. movie, but a lot of us were able to get in with our older brothers and we were able to go by not playing the video of when doves cry, but the song to our parents yeah, yeah, yeah. and her parents were like, Oh, well he just loves his mother. That's just adorable. He <laughs> just, mean, why are they fighting? Is like oh, his totally. father. Yeah, exactly. They didn't, they didn't get it at all. Every, everything about that album that makes it great to me is the fact that like, it's based in things that everybody knows. Like right. when doves cry, that giant guitar, like you, you have to play it on like, yeah, and, like yeah. pop radio yeah. in 1984. That's like right there. That guitar yeah. is front yeah. and center. That's another the fact that the Hendrix line. comes out. Well, that's another thing yeah, everyone sleeps on. Roll. Everyone sleeps on how amazing. Like, Prince is a hell of a guitar player. Yeah, so you have Prince to, is a no joke you have guitar to showcase player. that. You know? It's crazy. Like all those singles, everything about the movie, everything about it is like based in stuff that like, People knew, but there's this whole other side to it mm-hmm. that America largely did not know. Right. And for me, it's like I was six years old when it uh, came out, and my mom was like a disco fanatic, and she was into funk music and everything. So the idea of Prince was already something that she was well aware of and perfectly acquainted with. Mm-hmm. And it was like when the film came out, the film was the first time that my mom and I liked the same song on the radio. 
Wow. It was the first time <laughs> in life that those, that the Prince song came on, and I was okay with it, and right. she was okay with it. Because right. I liked Culture Club. I liked Duran Duran. Sure. I liked all those groups. And my mom hated all of that. She's like, why is it all synthesizers and... It, it, it doesn't sound good. Right. There's no, like, bass. You know, There's no real no, life to that. There's no life to that. Yeah. And so when the Prince song came out, you know, she's like, I like Prince. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I like Prince, too. And she's like. <laughs> so she had to think about it. Yeah, no, yeah. And she knows as well what these songs are really about. And she's like, I don't know if I want right. my son to like this movie. So I remember. Hold on. My father liked Culture Club. Not like the song, like the music, but he loved Boy George's voice. Oh, interesting. He's like, as he sounded like. You know, he sounded like a black guy. Yeah, exactly. He did, and he could sing. Right. And so yeah. it was kind of a little uh, small right. appreciation in my family. Yeah. So my uncle had the film. He, like, got a copy of the film. On Laserdisc? Yeah. Fuck yeah. And VHS. he gets the Laserdisc, <laughs> and it's, like, a big moment. Like, everybody in, like, you know, like it's, like, of, like, you know, a certain age, and my family is going over to my uncle's house to watch this movie mm. on Laserdisc. And my mom can't find a babysitter for me. So I am I have taken along to go see this movie. Mm-hmm. This is my first R-rated movie. I'm six years old, and I can't believe it. I'm, I love Prince. Prince right. is my favorite artist in the world at this time. I love everything about him. And so for half the movie, my mom literally has her hand over my eyes <laughs> so I could just hear the music. Right. So for a large part, like, until right. I was like maybe 13 years old, I had no idea what happened in Half Purple Rain, but I oh, knew yeah. all the lines. Yeah. Great concert, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all oh, the concert was. Of so, so let's talk about how the, the film was created was amazing a, a, a little bit. So it was actually, I think, the whole thing was debuted at First Avenue in Minneapolis. A lot of that footage and that is actually in the recording is mixed in and out of like the back half of the, this record. Hmm. So like, what, "Baby, I'm a Star," uh, "Not Take Me with You," but uh, "I Would Die for You" and "Purple Rain" are all sort of as they were once they were presented to the world in a concert thing. That I don't think had been done before. I he makes this like weird ass film around like telling the story of his family or something, yeah. you know, puppets. Everything about it was so like ridiculously, I think, ambitious and just fucking weird. Mm-hmm. You know, like actually, I want to. We're gonna play a couple songs during this thing, but I want to play like a track that. I have there's the hits and stuff but the beautiful ones I think is probably the best song on this album and it's because right around 3.30 we're gonna play it and then come back to it Thank you. 
That's what I wanted to get to. That's what's so mind-blowing about that fucking song, is that it is it is a slow jam, it's a love jam, whatever you want to call it. Gets to that point, and where other artists are going to ask that question, and that's the whole thing of the song, he's like, fuck this. You want him or me? Because I want you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so aggressive, and so, especially, like you said, as, as black music is coming up, mm-hmm. it how that made it on record, like, with all the weird, like, sci-fi synths and stuff. That's I, also kind of, but it, that, that wasn't, that obviously wasn't going to be a single, and I think they buried that deep enough to the think? point where, yeah. yeah the album cut. And, 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 and they were going to give, and they were, I think at this point, they were given, I mean, remember, they gave him complete creative control yeah. at such a young age. I think they were going to let him the benefit of the doubt because there's some pretty raunchy shit in all of his stuff yeah, yeah. some of his yeah. stuff has like herpes sores on it darling Mickey darling Mickey so, so from yeah. there from there the album goes to uh, Computer Blue mm-hmm. which again weird you know you have yeah this, that's yeah. It. now hold on but, but give me a second back. give me a second with Computer Blue okay like I'm amazed at the shit that Prince was able to get like the women in his band to do uh huh well they wrote most of it yeah the revolution. We we haven't even talked about the all right, revolution but let's, yet. All right, let's say let's say here's With the thing. Elisa. It's like yeah. uh, you know where they were they 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 wrote the part where it's like now girls I want you to draw me a bath and yeah yeah they enough. they wrote they, wrote, they wrote the song Purple God, they Rain. Must have loved Prince's ass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no they, reason not to love Prince. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there's a whole Middle ticket guys incredibly talented. I, yeah. I think it was on Middle's AV Club. There's a whole great oral history of of that. I'd love to check that out. Yeah, we'll put the link up and stuff. But, you know, that's the other thing we're not talking about here is, like, as creative as he was, he was working with a group of musicians. I, I wish I knew the, the names off the top of my head, but the Revolution, collectively. Mm-hmm. Well, you had Lisa was, and Wendy. and Lisa and Wendy. Know, Brown Mark and... Um, yeah. Um, and do, the Doctor. The and, Doctor, and, right. And adding all Bobby this Z stuff... Bobby Z playing drums, yeah. Into this thing, and it, it still is, is mind-blowing that it ever came together in that. So, like, you have that song, Computer Blue... It's a weird like dance club jam that gets into like almost like a proggy guitar solo, right? Like very composed thing, mm-hmm. straight into "Darling Nikki," mm-hmm. which no six year old should hear, Marcus. Oh, I, that's <laughs> even a funnier story because it's it was confusing to a twelve year old. My mom <laughs> bought me the album. Because, you know, she's like, okay, I like this record and you like this record. So this is a record we can listen to together. <laughs> so we're listening to the record together. Sure. 
And this is like, these are all like very early memories of my life. Right. And Darling Nikki comes on, and my mom's like, you know, sits through it, you know, like about a minute in, she's like, she gets up and she calmly turns off the record player. And I didn't see the Prince album for like seven years of my life. Exactly. Yeah. It just disappeared. Yeah. Like, I would hear it in her bedroom. I would just kind of hear her like, oh, she's listening to Prince. That's cool. Yeah. But then, yeah, I didn't see the, re- the physical record for like seven years cause, yeah. because of Darling Nikki. Yeah. And like that record. Like, and it's, it, it was like this, this amazing, incredible song in my mind for so many years. Mm-hmm. And now when I listen to it, I'm like, Lyrically, yes, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then everything else about it is just like, just completely like just mindfuck of a record. Like, yeah. yeah. It was pretty It was pretty rough well, for 1984, man, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there was all the, the gangster rap stuff that happened later in terms of just straight up throwing it out there. But yeah. like, but that was, you know, that was pretty dirty. Yeah. Again, in the, 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 the PMRC time. started because of that Yeah, damn song, of course. You know? Yeah, that and um, Twisted Sister. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But if you go back, you, you go back to 1999. Uh-huh. Those three songs, okay, Peter Blue, Don yeah. and Nikki, and Beautiful Ones, like direct descendants from songs like um, "Something in the Water Does Not Compute." Right, right, absolutely. You go back, you listen to that, you hear the making of those songs mm-hmm. in that song. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about this then. There, there is a definite shift in the, in the. How those albums sound. It, a lot of people said it's intentional. He was marketing it to people and, and everything. So what changed? What do you think? Why was this more digestible? Even a song about, you know, masturbating to a magazine. He's and always had an incredible pop sensibility. Uh-huh. And he was like, no, I'm making a movie. He sees an opportunity to uh-huh. expand his base immensely. Yeah, I'm sure... He realizes, like, yeah, I got some great songs. He's probably had those songs. I don't know for sure. Probably had those songs sitting in back on a back burner yeah, for yeah. a long time because he has an ability to write thousands of songs. And he's that's compulsive and, to yeah, him. Yeah, and he's yeah. kind of went in like this would fit well. This would fit well, this has a good pop mm-hmm. you know, sense to it. And he's a smart guy. He's a very smart guy. It's it's like melodies and hooks with like any great. Mm-hmm pop songs like, yeah. and those songs have like hooks that you could like fit a house in totally like you know yeah. like every single one of those songs the hook is like in, like unmistakable and gigantic and like anybody in the world could hear it and they they, they know the hook yeah. but also yeah, he's then, delivering them in a package that had never been really heard before right. he was using a lot of electronics yeah. like a lot kind of a lot of gated electronic kind of Simmons drums that for some reason, whenever anybody else used them, they just sound really hokey and really bad. But he knew exactly how to have those in the mix, so they sounded like, mm-hmm. like, like, or you know, they, it would just be like a hand clap trigger. Like I would die for you. That's there's not a two. Yeah. That's not a two and a four thing. It's a, that's just a hand clap on the fours every time. One, two, three, clap. One, yeah, two. You know, play a little of that. Yeah. yeah. amazing that's such a great like like riddle sh- rhythm shell game that he's yeah, got going on exactly you know and but yet somehow like everybody got it instantly they didn't have to think about it you know yeah really amazing and so it's this great new package that he has happening and it's it's pretty shiny for 1984 and right. uh, honestly 
like a lot of that stuff, like you hear that overall sound and say computer blue, mm-hmm. like you, you turn on a, turn on a movie at like three o'clock in the morning on AMC from like 1986 <laughs> and all the incidental music yeah, has yeah, that yeah, sound yeah, now. It's like all that. Like, yeah. It's like that. Like, like tech- when Mel Gibson is pulling up, like to do a Coke deal in 1986, <laughs> yeah, the music sounds oh, like, sounds, sounds like computer blue. It, it's funny. Know? Cause at the same time, techno's going on in Detroit. Right. Yeah, and there's a lot of that influence in the Minneapolis sound. It's like that weird, like, cross-pollinization. So, like, a song like Computer Blue always, to me, was like, oh, this is Prince, like, being like, I like techno, too. Right. Hold on. Let me make this better for you. <laughs> I'm going to make this, right. like... I'm going to clean this, this up for you, and, and, yeah, here you go. There you go. So, I would still argue he started that stuff. You think so? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they fed off of him. And the, yeah, him and also uh, Parliament. Yep. We're really keen because mm-hmm. those are those are the dance records in Detroit before mm-hmm. techno even happened. Like high school kids would go into parties every Friday or Saturday night, mm-hmm. and they would just play the hottest songs. Right, and all those songs were there. Like those were like you know like the Prince stuff and Parliament stuff. And then it's like when the kids went and made their own tracks, they had like you know like the uh, what the three hundred threes. Right, and they like you know just made what they thought that they were making were basically Prince songs, but. Not so much. Right. <laughs> you know? right. And then it became a whole other like genre of music. Yeah, but, but yeah, I don't think Prince Prince has to do it with a band. You know what? I'd, I'd love to see Prince just do kind of an acoustic thing. He, he does on tour. We, I, Derek, you and I have that. seen him. Yeah. Really? Go yeah, he, he comes out and he... In, in, was it Purple Rain? or It wasn't Purple Rain. I forget which song it was, but it was just him. And him in the middle of the Verizon Center. I mean, little man pops up through the floor on a yeah. stool. Starts playing. And everybody... <clears throat> In that audience was silent. Yeah. I bet it's kind of like that Jimi Hendrix when he was. What was it, the, the footage you have of him playing acoustic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. There's this little guy going off on a guitar. Yeah, he's and singing. He's, he's and everybody's just like, oh, wow. That guy was just born born knowing how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so back to the sort of the original question, uh, not really question, but what do you think? Why did this? He he hasn't repeated this. Why do you think this all came? How did this work? Like, how, what's your theory on like why this? Why was it because he was making a film? Was it because it just was the end of of a, a creative cycle for him? He got to that because as much as I love around the world in the day, which is the follow up to this and came pretty immediately. Like it ain't Purple Rain. Like there, in fact, there's nothing like it in his catalog. Nineteen ninety nine. I would say close. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 1999 was Miles Davis's favorite album. Right, right. But the, thing, know, the thing about... From this a musical point of view, it's just amazing. And I would, ag- I would yeah. agree with not that. Not a pop, not a the complete pop album, yeah. But, right. that, but that's, that's what I'm talking about. Is like, and there's no question, like, every, everything he's done since then, even if it's terrible, it's better than 99% of what other people are doing. Mm. Musically his, speaking. His worst is better than a lot yeah, of people's as, best. As a musician, I think, you know, uh, I think all of us in this room at least can speak to that yeah. like you can't make music like <laughs> you can't no. do it no. um and a lot so, of people have tried so what about is it was it just the the pop sensibility that he injected into it like i think it was an entire package man he knew you know he knew how to create new and interesting sounds he knew how to make that into a pop he, he had he has pop hooks like he, he pisses pop hooks. yeah exactly. <laughs> you know what i mean like he's like like he brushes his teeth and, like, and spits oh, pop hooks, you know, and, and, and so it's the easiest thing in the world for him. But, he's, but he also has that ability to put things in new and interesting packages. And he was unafraid to use um, 
particularly on Purple Rain, I think he was unafraid to use a lot of technology that a lot of people were sort of like, really? You want to use that? Yeah. Come on, you want to use those, those octagon Simmons drums? You know, you really want to use that pedal on the guitar? Come on. You know, you want to use that synth? What are you doing? Like, mm. a lot of people were sort of throwing that stuff away, and I think he just sort of saw the inherent value of what those <clears throat> sounds and instruments were capable of. Yeah. And added that onto the pop hooks, added that into his sensibility of song. Yeah. Ground zero, man. It's just it's just nuclear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And I also think this is the first time he actually allowed collaboration. Yeah. He didn't before. Mm-hmm. All his albums up to that point were pretty much Prince writing, performing, right. producing everything. Complete creative control, yeah. which is a good thing and also a bad yeah. thing. And so now you, write yourself into you a let corner. the girls in. And right. if you, you go and you listen to uh, Wendy and Lisa's album since they've done it's beautiful stuff. Oh, yeah. A lot of yeah. it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you, you get an infusion. You know, you've got him, you've got the doctor being able to... who is probably the only musician at that time. I mean, Lynn, Lisa, yeah, she's she's also a very amazing musician. But at that time, I think the doctor was the only person you could hang with him. Mm-hmm. You, know, yeah. you know, and the rest of them were kind of like... What's his real name? I have know? no idea. Yeah. He was that dude back there wearing like hospital <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He doesn't need a real name. Let's look him up. So, yeah. I bet, his, I bet yeah. his name is like Morris Goldstein or something. <laughs> yeah. I'll bet you hundred bucks no, that's his like, name. You, you think about like Purple Rain, it's like, okay, so it's like you only get one chance to be incredible to the public. Right. And this was the first time that like mainstream America was going to be force-fed Prince. Right. Like force-fed, there's no way around it. it the movie is being released. Because yeah, this is a big, big yeah. move for MGM. So yeah. it's like, okay, we're putting a movie around this guy and you only get one chance to be force-fed to the public. So if you only get one chance to be force-fed to the public, you're going to make it something that everybody can eat. Mm-hmm. And it's, but it'll be unique. It's like, okay, if, if like, if say, say all you eat were like hamburgers and hot dogs every single day, you had one chance to go to, and you had like an Indian chef had one chance to make you a meal. Mm-hmm. Right. What would it be? He's going to make you something that has a flavor of hot dogs and a flavor of hamburgers, but a whole bunch of other shit that you don't know. Yeah. And you're, but you're, you're going to eat the first thing and go, okay, well, I kind of know this, but this is really, really tasty. Mm. Yeah. And then you're going to stay around and say, yeah, let me get a little bit of that. <clears throat> let me get a little bit of that. I like all of this. Mm. <laughs> like yeah, you're yeah. in, and then by the by that point you watch the movie, and then you're just like, yeah. But back to the collaboration. Uh huh. He was also working with the dudes in the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, so, he was the time. Yeah. He was. He was the time. He was the time. <laughs> he was the time but then was by the then, by when Purple Rain came around, he was actually allowing everybody to have a say, mm. kind of. So by then, when Purple Rain comes in, the time was the time. As opposed to, and it was still Prince writing a whole lot of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it was, you know, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, obviously, you know, think of their yeah, pop sensibility. Yeah. Think yeah, of their pop sensibility there. coming in and, and helping like, Prince. Janet Jackson, maybe. And yeah. influencing Prince. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it became more of a community. Cause you, and you, I think that helped so, him quite a bit. Do you mm-hmm. think then it is more simply, uh, uh, you know, a lightning strike? Of a thing, the, all these conditions came together, and all this zeitgeist, what was going on in the pop world, and listening to it and stuff. Because like the AV Club sites that he actually, I think, toured with Jay Giles' band and got booed off stage. Yeah. And but meanwhile, Jay Giles' band is playing this stuff, and so he incorporated stuff from that into some of these songs. I could hear like you know, honestly, I can now that I think about it, I can hear a little like cross pollinization right. between like centerfold, do yeah. you know what I mean, and some kind of mm-hmm. Prince kind right. of anthems. I can see him just sort of like like. 
looking backstage and picking, oh, I'll take that and that and that, and I'll clean it up for him. So was it just like a <laughs> you know? super shrewd move on his part? He's like, he just knew like I, you said, yeah. I gotta, I, this is going to happen. It has, yeah. it has to make a break. We're doing right. this. And so I have to do this. And he hasn't had that pressure ever again. Yeah. And it's, that's the pressure. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I ha- like, they are going to do this. They are going yeah. to do this for me. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's, and they have no expectation <clears throat> of me. So really they have no idea what I'm going to do. Right. So I can give them whatever and they're ultimately going to be okay with it. But there's like a power in that. Like you could be all powerful and be like Kanye West and be like, I'm going to make an album that everybody's going to buy, but nobody has to, everybody's going to hear, but nobody has to buy. Or I'm going to make this record that I'm going to carefully curate and get the right people in the right room at the right time. And we're going to make great pop songs. Like I already have these Mm -hmm. things kind of like scripted out, but I'm going to get in with these great people that I know. Mm -hmm. And I'm surrounded by all the best people. Like, I could put Wendy and Lisa and Terry, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis in the same room at the same time. <laughs> I have the ability to do that and just stand there and watch them fight over a song that I wrote. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, like, I'll just put this on the table. <clears throat> yeah. You yeah. guys do what you want yeah. to with it. Yeah. And then you've yeah. got, you know, it's, again, it's a movie. Movies need to flow. Right. Mm-hmm. You, it's, you put a lot more thought into how the things are going to flow, how the music's going to flow, how, you know, there are some amazing performances. Like Jesse yeah. Johnson's. Yeah, you know, the little was modern air, great song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and then the time performance. Sex shooter is not a great yeah. song. No, <laughs> so let's just no. That's, that's awful. Come I mean, on, great, to, on, great to look at. Come great on, kiss the gun. Yeah. It's guaranteed for fun. Yeah, all I gotta say. You know, Apollonia was there for one reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it even sorry she was perfect say, for what she needed to be uh, there for. You know, it, even like uh, her voice, I still couldn't. Do that it. movie's hard. I got. I had fast forward a lot when I'm watching that movie. I just go like to the point because I there, there's a lot of like backhand women in, like behind a dumpster and shit like that. Yeah. In the movie. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, that, 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 yeah, it's talk like, about something being a product of a different time. Yeah, the movie is definitely a product of a different yeah. time. Jerome. So, but it was a Jerome backhands album. Yeah, Jerome. Yeah. So to that point, though, or there was not anybody. To that point, though, because like we said, the the live performances are stellar. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's anything that's ever been filmed like that since. Amazing live performance. And so, should should we divorce? the film from the album or does it need to be taken as a, as a package I think we need to cut that thing like uh, you know we just cut it like like you know those pictures of Stalin like the communist <laughs> communist pictures and like four years later half the guys are killed so he just air, <laughs> airbrushes them out so we just we do we do like a, we do like Purple Rain just the performances right we, we, we cut out Sex Shooter we leave that as a special feature right. in case anybody wants yes. to feels the need to check that <laughs> out egg. you know but like but like the rest of the stuff you know time more, more right. stand the time and uh, all those kick ass concert stuff let's let's do that let's, well let's I mean but we all, we all but I guess my point was like we all saw the film when it came out yeah that definitely had something to do with like how we processed the album right like should people like if no, no I can't ima- I can't imagine yeah, yeah like yeah I will say though the beautiful <clears throat> ones is really incredible after you see the scene where Prince realizes that Apollonia has left with Morris and is like kind of like well yeah with Morris and then you see this like performance and Morris is like 
the most like ridiculous human in the whole yeah. film. He's a cartoon. And he's a cartoon. And yeah. Fritz is a serious, serious like musician. And this woman that he loves has decided she's going to spend her time with a cartoon man. Right. And he instead and instead of doing anything else, he thinks to write a song that is that powerful about this charlatan of a human being. Right. Yeah. That's like incredible. That's like the one thing in the movie that you're like, okay, I get that whole like circle. Everything yeah, else you're like. But the okay, best cool. acting scene in the movie is the who's on first thing with between him and Yes. Morris Day and, yeah. and Jerome. So. Yes. So, so I think, Marcus, you'd be advocating for, like, no, you can't divorce the film. Like, you have to... There's, no, you can't divorce the film. I know, yeah, yeah. There's, and there's some amazing music kind of thrown through the film, too. Incidentally, you know, yeah, God, absolutely. you know, doing the, the lovely sex scene. Yeah. You know, that's a... I saw... The first time I saw the film, it was in a theater in Charlottesville. And it had an amazing sound system. Oh. Like, way too much subwoofer mm-hmm. than they needed. <laughs> so, you know, so, so I'm sitting there watching the movie and you know, the sex scene comes on and God comes on. And, you know, the really low bass part. Mm-hmm. And it shakes the whole building. I'm like, oh, God, mm-hmm. I feel like this is God. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, it was, yeah, just, you can't divorce the movie from that, there. The movie's so... It's like... it's, But I think that's part of the thing, though, is that like the movie is like theoretically supposed to be corny. Because you, you know what you're dealing with. Like, when you sit down and watch Purple Rain as a grown adult, you know what you're about to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you can't rationalize. Your destiny is in your hands. Yeah, you're yeah. like, this movie is abjectly terrible in places. I'm going to sit down and watch I'm going to watch every single second of it. Yeah, exactly. I just couldn't. I couldn't hang, man. I, you I, couldn't hang. I always just go to the. I, I always just go to the performance bits. How'd you do with the graffiti the rest of it? Because there's just so much stuff I can't. <laughs> like okay, no, no. I one well, thing I, just, I can't. Out the room. You know, I can't buy. I can't buy that Prince. In 1984 in Minneapolis, is just going to be cruising around on that purple Harley. And like, <laughs> the Bjornsson twins aren't going to come out of the woods and just Honda beat his ass. Oh, he knows, but it's like, uh, yeah. all right, well, sorry. But, you know, my, my point still stands, man. It's like, yeah, you know, like, like it was just a little bit, I, I'm kind of a realist, and I just like to see, you know, like, I just don't buy that in night. I mean. So you clearly can. You, you're like, no, you actually, maybe you shouldn't watch the film, but you should experience this album I experienced the album definitely and also but it is worth watching the uh, the live performances mm-hmm. I will not sleep on the live performances ever they're it's they're amazing but the rest of it I'm just like who wrote this dog shit <laughs> do you know what I mean like no, I'm just I'm not buying it's, it's I'm not, not buying no, it's not I'm not book. buying that there are three three of the funkiest bands on the planet <laughs> are fighting for the house band spot yeah. in fucking Minneapolis <laughs> You know what I mean? No, and then, like and Prince, then Prince, Prince would be like, "Fuck y'all, I'm going to New York." And then Prince, right? and the Revolution, <laughs> Prince and the Revolution are considered the worst band. I know. Yeah, and they yeah, can't no. draw. Yeah. And they can't draw. Nobody, nobody in Minneapolis. No one's, no one's coming. Oh no, I'm not going to go see Prince. I'm going to go see Morris Day in the Times. <laughs> Here in Minneapolis, that's what I'm going to do. I'm sorry, but I would argue, I would argue that Morris Day and the Times, one of the best bands. They are. Oh, dude. To me, oh, for, no. a while, for, a, for a long period doubt. of time, I Absolutely. was like, I thought, I thought that movie should have been called The Adventures of Morris Day and the Times. <laughs> yeah. And, and, well, so and here, that marginally okay band, Princeton Revolution. Here, yeah. Here's the, other, gotten a little here's better the other thing, and, 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 and I don't want to talk about this a little, but I wanna, and then I want to get to what we haven't talked about, which is the title track, which we have to talk about. Yeah, obviously. So... Is that their album came out at this time? This was a this was not just Purple Rain. Yeah, it was a package, mm-hmm. and for as scary as and and challenging as listening to this could be, is like you know a 
twelve year old kid or a six year old kid or something. Yes. Put on that time record. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck's going on. Like it's just like uh, it's heavy. I, I think there there's something called sex, and I don't even know what <laughs> what's going on. But it was it was like it wasn't the outtakes from it, but it it was it was the sort of darker side of it, the more pure side of it. Um, and I think if you add that to this, like take them together and stuff, it's it's a fascinating like snapshot of what was going on, really, and what was going on behind the scenes. Because I I love that record, like you were saying, the time is fucking they're they're crazy. Ridiculously, ridiculously solid. They stayed big, so funky. The groove, yeah, man, it was just so it's, insane. To you me, know? it's like it's like it's like you it's like if you put the Ohio players in a room and then you like sprayed them with acid, yeah, <laughs> and then you forced them to like play, play yeah. and dance. Yeah, right. and then you're you gonna experience dance, the universe now, son. Yeah. Not only are <laughs> you, you gonna get play, ice cream but you're you gonna do steps. No at shit. The same they time. were as far to the back of the beat as you can possibly get without <laughs> without like going over, without exactly. ruining the whole thing. While they were doing these intricate, yeah, intricate steps know, moves, and like man. some serious funk and some. Serious syncopation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's glorious syncopation. Not oh, a joke. God. That's the first time we played together. That's what we were like working on. It's like a, a time song. And yeah. I mean, yeah. the teacher's white boy, the time. It was nice. Yeah. yeah. This is very nice. Awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but the, well, you know what else? But I you learned? were shocked that I knew it. Yeah. yeah. So, I, was shocked, I was shocked you did. Like, know and background. So we've known each other now for, what, for like 15 years. A long, time. long fucking time. But. Yeah, so it was really far to the back of the beat, but also those guys really valued space. Mm-hmm. Um, like the bottom end wasn't cluttered up with a lot of kick drum; it was just kick drum in just all the right places. Yeah. And and that's that's another cool thing about um, even Prince's the drumming um, for Prince. Like later on when he got to the new power generation, mm-hmm. and diamonds and pearls and stuff, the 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 bottom end on the kick drum started getting a lot more. Crowded, um, yeah, yeah. like songs like "Get Off" and things like Absolutely. that. But there's a, there's um there's kind of a, like a, a spare lot of space on that kick drum, a lot of space on the bottom end, and that gives and that for some like you wouldn't think that makes it more funky, but it does. Yeah, you know, it really makes it more funky, and I just I just I loved listening to that. I had to kind of keep it on the down low. Because all the, all my buddies were listening to ACDC and all that, and hey, you know that's fine. Yeah. But like, I was I was sneaking in some prints when I could. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, I mean, you yeah. have to. No joke. You know, you learn you learn you learn a lot, uh, just as as kind of a drummer from from music like that. Yeah. You know, because then all of a sudden you realize it isn't all about crowding it up. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It isn't all like 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 do 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 do. You know, that's there's a value in space and music and. uh Prince really recognized that on this album. Yeah, but, yeah. To me, the emotion, have, the emotion a, is where the funk is at. Right. Because yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. I, I have a way of judging drummers. If they can play 777 mm-hmm. we'll get along. Mm-hmm. Jason <laughs> could not. get along. Jason could not. So. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm working on it. <laughs> the kit's here, so I'm, I'm uh, that, that's my goal. Like Guitar, when I was a kid, it was comfortably numb. Yeah. Now drums, it's that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Completely. I'm just, Odd thing. I was playing a gig in somebody's backyard, and it was a fill-in drummer, 
and I'm setting up, and the guy just broke into seven 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 nine three eleven. Like, yeah. this is gonna be okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about the uh, the title track. Sure. This, I don't know that there were power ballads before. Maybe you can say there, there haven't been power ballads since. Uh, much like the album, I, it is. Uh, Shockingly close to uh, a journey song, like faithfully. True. Um, and yet, it is one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful songs to come out of the 80s. If this album was just that song, <laughs> you think he would have been, been okay? Everything else about it, it sucks, but you get to this. Sums up the album, sums up the movie. Sums up his career, sums up your life. So it's it's everything, all into this what eight minute thing. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Mm. <laughs> and how do you and deal with that? Got, you've got you know s- serious solid drums. You've got you know really simple bass part. Mm-hmm. Not one. You've got a lovely place. guitar yeah. part. Mm-hmm. Talking about space, yeah. like this, yeah. Is, yeah. this is space wide is open. Yeah. You got a yeah. lovely guitar part that starts off with, you know, chorus, which you know that's eighties. Gotta love that. And then you got Hendrix at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's not the love? It's literally everything. everything. You've got the seventies coming into, you know, the eighties going, and it was just, it was just lovely. It's funny, like when I think about that song, it's like when you look at like Prince's career. Mm-hmm. He worked with Larry Graham for he still works with Larry Graham. Yeah, yeah. And one in a million, you is one of my favorite songs mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. It's a song that nobody ever talks about from that era, and it's like astounding. It's big, it's sparse, and it's powerful. And it's funny when you hear like. Purple Rain, and you get that same feel. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I DJed for like 10 years, mm-hmm. so I would play these, you know, like, you know, you have closers, and there's like a certain level of closer you have that's like, there's like one in a million you crowd, there's a Purple Rain crowd, like, it depends on how you feel. Mm-hmm. And you listen to that song, and then you listen to Purple Rain, and you're like, wow, okay, that's there. Then you talk about like him touring with Jay Giles' mm-hmm. band, and you need that big, giant guitar, like, power ballad. What stadium? All rock. the girls. Yeah, yeah, he got, he figured out how to close a stadium. Like how to show, how to end a show at an arena, yeah. rather than a club. You know? And then it's like everything about that is just mm. so big. It's like you take the biggest things, like you said, from all these eras. Mm. You take the biggest things from all of these eras, and you just throw them all in one record. Mm. And he's smart enough to make it work. Yeah, yeah, brilliant enough to make it all come together and sound perfect. Also, when he's he's doing also he's doing that kind of like Al Green, 
scatting and stuff like that and kind of compressing yep. uh, compressing the lyrics into these like little short kind of machine gun bursts mm-hmm. and then letting everything breathe mm-hmm. a little longer you and, know and that's what it's i mean really like, smart it, it's everything it together. it's pulling yeah. from every bit of like his music history every bit of like ass rock stadium rock it's everything and put into this like remarkable package i don't think you could find a single person on the planet right now that doesn't like that song mm-hmm and you damn sure, like, if you have access to a radio, you know that song. Yeah. 30 years later, you know that song. I mean, just the way that whole song's developed, it's lovely. Right. You know, you know Radiohead stole you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the lovely guitar, you know, from, the, yeah. from Creep, you know. You come in with that... Yeah. It's huge chord. And just, you know, you just sit there. But it's just one knocks chord. you back. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, you let oh. it reverberate. He doesn't let do anything with it. He just hits it and just lets it. Now, it's really, really smart. But see, that's yeah. that's another great thing about Prince is like just his judgment is always really good because uh-huh. you can see him. I can just picture him in the studio, just saying, "Now, what should I put here? Should I do like a big riff, or should I just give it just this one?" <clears throat> just this one chord and he just sticks with the one chord and, and like think about how that would sound I mean if, if if it were up to me I probably would have been all insecure and I'd have been like man dude play some eighth notes yeah, or something more notes, yeah. yeah get some shit in there dude it's not yeah. cool yeah. we gotta but no he just went yeah. uh, once, before that he was know? just like the little flurries of you know, the guitar yeah like he would hit and run right so and, and that's it so, so as a guitar player I can tell you though speaking about that one chord mm-hmm. it's a G chord right sort of Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know the tab. I know the notes. I know where they are hit. I cannot play it. I've been playing. I've been playing guitar twenty five years. Right. So, and one of the reasons I started was because I was like this motherfucker, mm-hmm. like take this guy out. <laughs> and that specific chord, intellectually, I know exactly what it is. You can't make it sound like that. Right. No. It's it's odd. It's it's like that and. Like going back to Radiohead, Creep. I play that song with a bunch of yeah, guitar yeah. players. They can't make it sound. Can't like make it sound like that. They can't make it. I sound would like say it. it's the amazing. Fuck, the fucking guitar in in Let's Go Crazy. That like super like low down just like riff. Like, can't do that. Nobody can do it. <laughs> it just doesn't, it makes no sense. He's got those tunings that nobody else has. Yeah, it's tunings. <laughs> it's like, I, I can look and I can be like, so his amp was on this. He was using this pedal through it. And I play it. I'm like, He's got that, that boss, ain't it. <laughs> metal, metal, yeah. Zone uh, pedal going through a stack of Mesa boogies. And it just sounded awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It's fucking insane. So. Interesting enough. No, dude, I just, you just reminded me of something. Because the, you know, Radiohead stole that uh, song from Prince. They got accused of something else, too. Uh, where the hell was it? Like recently? Yeah, no, a while back. Uh, let's see. Radiohead, um, I'm Wikipedia in it. Uh, swear to God, man. Like, like almost to the point where I think they just went ahead and didn't even bother to contest it in court. I think they just added the guy who wrote that original song onto oh. the songwriting credit so he'd start getting yeah, it's really cuts. Right, yeah. I'm trying to, hold on, I'm trying to, like, I'm, I'm sure this is well, really shitty podcasting. Yeah, no, but, no, no. We, but, nobody uh, steals as much as Coldplay. <laughs> 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 what about Lady Gaga? So, 
while we're talking about stealing. If from you're going to bring up Coldplay, <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the influence of this album, how yeah. how it influenced people going down the road. Obviously, you're not going to sound like Prince, and hilariously enough, nobody has tried to do this again. There's nobody that has walked into a studio, like at least that you can hear. I mean, like it's, I, I want to make you Purple can't Rain. Do that? It's hard as hell. Yeah, it is really hard to right. try to do that sound. So, thirty years after, we have an unrepeatable event. Uh, it's funny, because um, you know, it's like I I'm 36, so yeah. the people I write for are 18, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, and they when they real people realize that I'm like twice their age, they're always like, "How do you understand like the music we listen to?" And I'm just like, "Well, I listen to a lot of music. I can commiserate." Sir. Yeah. So, like, people had the same response for Jesus the that they did for yeah. That's yeah, like. They had the same response for Jesus that they had for Purple Rain because of the sense that, like, it sounded different. It sounded of the same era, mm-hmm. but it sounds completely different. I, yeah, yeah. And there's all sorts of dissonant noises and things going on and, you know, like, progressive things happening. But when people say that to me, then I'm like, okay, so by comparison, did that record change the way that you imagined the whole world? And then they're like, no, it didn't. It's just a good record. Yeah. And then I'm like, <laughs> I mean, it, there you go. So, right. so that that's the litmus test. Yeah. Is because I mean I can see that. I mean we we could like we're all like you're 36, yeah, we're 40, um, we're yeah, getting up there, team old. Yeah. Uh, and so is is it a matter of just it doesn't nothing is going to sound this good to us because. It doesn't sound like that. Like that, we're all locked in that sound. Like Derek, you and I love the '80s. All the shit. I think you do too. And I think mm-hmm. you do too. Oh, absolutely. I think, yeah. You know, a lot of good stuff's coming down. So if maybe somebody has done it and just can't recognize it, it's interesting. You bring up Jesus. Yeah. Similar in ambition. I think it fails. Yeah. It, 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 because it, every part of this clicked together. Uh, everything across. Yeah. The, what is it? Uh, uh, Forty-four minutes. Yeah. Every single. Part of that is better than most everything else. Yeah. Jesus can't say the same. Yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons for that is that, you know, while Kanye will tweet every eight seconds about how, like, I am currently making what will be go- what will go down in history mm-hmm. as the finest album ever created. And he'll tweet that every eight yeah. seconds. Prince just kind of went, let me just throw this on the <laughs> Here you go. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Gone. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so like, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna just brag about it before it's even out of the box, then you know, ultimately, you're just begging for people to, to you know, shit on it. Basically, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I think something like Purple Rain is is on. You can't. You can try to copy it. You can be influenced by it. But but there, it's its own thing. It's its mm-hmm. own little universe. And and why would you try to? You know, I'd, yeah. I'd feel like a dick if I walked into or if I walked in and said, OK, we're going to be we're, we're doing this song that sounds a lot like when doves cry or sounds a lot like I would die for you or sounds a lot like, yeah. you know, computer blue or anything like that. I'd feel like it. I'd feel like a fraud. Do you know what I mean? I would so you think like it's a, people are scared. I think part of it was just <laughs> or do, it's just not anything that you can com, you can improve on. Right. Do, it's how, 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 right. how can you possibly improve on that? It's like you walk like if I were go, to go to the NGA, uh-huh. the National Gallery of Art, and like walk up to fucking like David's 
Napoleon, David's portrait of yeah. Napoleon, and like just break out some paint and be like, nah, here. Let me touch this shit up here. Why would I do that? Yeah. Why, why, what's the point it of doing that? It's it done, you know? The perfect album done by the perfect musician at the perfect time. Yeah. Time. You coming out of the 70s with, you know, Arena Rock, you've got Parliament Funkadelic, mm-hmm. you, who is influenced with the funk. You've got all these synth bands coming out of England. That uh, yeah, time. exactly. It's, Total addition to the technology pool. To pull all this stuff together and mm-hmm. make something perfect. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, and, and it's funny because he just he, he it's like he points at stuff. It was like it's like a Venn diagram, and he points at little pieces in the middle of these Venn diagrams every single time. And it's the perfect place that nobody else is going to point. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody else will look in the middle. He's like, no, I'll, I'll look over here and to the left. Right. I'll point right here. Mm-hmm. And I'll, take, I'll make something right there. I'll take, I'll take these synthesizers from, from Depeche Mode. I'll take uh, this, this kind of pop hook sensibility from the Jay Giles band. Mm-hmm. I'll take this guitar sound from Hendrix. I'll take this from, you know, he's, he's just a master chef, man. He yeah. knows exactly where to get the ingredients. And fearless, and, because like yeah. people, I mean, it that, wouldn't have occurred. Yeah, something I, completely new. Yeah, totally. I would argue that that's how people should think about creating music all the time. That's and just risky be like, business, though, man. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, you you know very well. That's a risky business. But at the end of the day, like if you wrote a good song, it, it's almost like so. What if it sounds like X? Like you know, this over here. That was some good shit too. So you know, yeah. and, and and so if people are scared to do this, like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to hear somebody like try to redo, recapture, Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to Purple Rain every time. I want to see people try to do it though, a little bit. You know, I do seem yeah. to recall like I, 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 you know, and I was I was pretty young when Purple Rain came out, but I remember at the time. Uh, for those of us who didn't have MTV, believe it or not, there were people who didn't have cable, and I was one of them because mm-hmm. my old man was like, "We're not spending money on that shit." Um, but so we, we we'd have to stay up late and wait for Friday night videos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I just I remember Damn. I remember watching Friday night videos and seeing some seeing like you know I can just imagine all the panic from all the other record labels like we need something that sounds like Prince. And there were just all these shitty Jerry Curl bands oh, wearing yeah. leopard skin tights. And you could the tell they Ready yeah. for the world. And you could tell they just weren't into it at all. I'll, they I'll, just weren't. They, they didn't get it at all. And it was just like some record company said, kids, we need you to do this. And, the, you know, and it, the, the, that was the that was the shit that ended up on Friday night videos instead of MTV. Mm-hmm. You know. Janet Jackson came out with Control in 1986. Right. Yeah. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. And it's the whole album is like, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, um, we know you guys work with Prince. Right. Here's yeah. a briefcase full of money. Yeah. Here you go. Here's Michael Jackson's <laughs> sister. Yes. And and also, <laughs> we need something. That sounds also, like that guy. Also yeah. great, and maybe we should do one of those for that album. Like Also yeah. great and, and is groundbreaking in very different ways. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. They, yeah, they simulated the whole crew for that. Yeah. And got like, them on board. And said, mm-hmm. Okay, so that maybe that was the evolution of it. Like, you're not going to repeat it so that it goes somewhere else, even though Prince wasn't involved. Yeah. And it, yeah. So do you think MTV how, – how, how big of an influence do you think MTV had, though, on that? Because we, we were yeah, trying to talk about that. Because yeah. if you sit there and you see this, like, little dude in, like, a big purple, like, thing, <laughs> like yeah. just going crazy. They, they let MTV – they allowed them to have the people, I guess, who were involved, uh-huh. some creative – input as to what was being played on yeah. TV. 
And so you got to see. I mean, you would watch 120 minutes because you'd want to see all the new cool stuff mm-hmm. that was coming out. Yeah. And they would actually go and find new cool stuff. But to, not they, they weren't looking for somebody who sounded like somebody else. And that was the cool thing about the 80s is that everybody had their own sound. Yeah, you know they did. I mean, to a certain Just extent, like the they vers- didn't. The, no one sounded alike. The versatility of that yeah. that top ten from '84 that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that was all. Our, he, Willie Nelson was on that damn top ten. Yeah, Willie Nelson and Julio Iglesias were on that top ten with the Thompson Twins. You know, mm-hmm. and and uh, yeah, I mean, let's look at the top ten now. Pop right. bands, yes, 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 did not sound like the Thompson Twins. No, did not sound like um, Erasure. Did Erasure. not sound like. Well, it didn't sound like. Um, um, Depeche Mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't sound alike. I mean, they had a couple of like sounds that kind of cross pollinated, you know, because they all had the same was, scent, you know, the PPGs and you know the Yamaha DX7s, whatever. You know, so you had some similar sounds, but as far as the music goes, none of them sounded alike. It was lovely, and none of them sounded like Prince. Yeah. None of them sounded. Like yeah, Prince. yeah. He was the gold standard of the '80s. It's weird. You know, what's really weird is if you listen to. The other two big albums from '84, I think there was it would be like a, like a virgin, yeah. Yeah. born in the USA. Yeah. And if you listen to those now, it feels the, the production it's seems a little dated, dated like hokey, mm-hmm. like a oh, nice 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 synthesizer, Bruce Jesus. I, you know, I, yeah, or, you know, yeah. or like and Madonna. Some of those notes she hits are just flatter than Kansas, anyway. You know, but like uh, Jellybean Benitez is a, a wonderful, wonderful human being Jellybean. for dating Madonna. A and then B. You know, working on that album and making it sound the way it sounded. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. again, the, none of those albums are Purple Rain. You know, Madonna has yeah. bought down a many a man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and gosh, a conversation poor, for poor, another podcast. Poor, yes. guy, poor guy Richie. I mean, he was making some good movies and he didn't even marry Madonna. Mm, God. Yeah. So <sighs> I think I think so that's it. Bus, I, think, I think we've shoes. so what we landed on is like this is a thing. It happened. It was important. Culturally, not just musically, but to the culture, to everything, drive everything forward. Uh, I, I don't know what else we can say about Purple Rain except it's fucking awesome. And I, that- well, I think honestly, it, it's starting to feel like just due to the nature of the industry and due to the nature of of kind of our inner, you know, how we're all connected and everything's happened so instant. I don't think we're ever going to see anything like that again. You know, yeah. I don't think yeah. we're ever going to see anything like that again. I don't think we're going to see that kind of album where um, somebody can pollinate, you know, and kind of just develop his own scene in his own geographical location, relatively isolated from the rest of the music scene at large. Yeah. Not unheard of, of course. I mean, everybody knew who Prince was, but Minneapolis ain't L.A. It ain't New York, yeah. you know. But you also didn't know who Jimmy Jam was. You didn't know who Terry Lewis exactly. was. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Also, was, like a, Johnson, all these guys, like all like an absolute perfect dudes. perfect sense of, of session players, guys with great musical sensibilities, you know. Um, and nowadays there'd be, uh, you know, the, these guys would put out one single and there'd be eight hundred <laughs> people tweeting like in the comments section. Yeah. Fuck him. You know, yeah. bullshit. <laughs> you know, like BuzzFeed would be oh, like thirty yeah. reasons. Why this, <laughs> Your thirty suck. reasons why this one sucks. Yeah. You know, of course. So it's 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 a shame. But I mean, if anything, that just sort of makes you appreciate that album even more, man. Yeah, it's yeah. a Great shame that we'll never see a Purple Rain concert like that. Yeah, you know, that is actually that's the, a shame. Yeah, because because he's I moved on. Concert, he's gotten weirder. He's I gotten saw that concert like and did, you know he played a twenty-minute guitar solo for Purple Rain. Yeah, and he never got boring. Right, didn't repeat himself in and style or anything. Around, yeah. He kept he kept everybody just transfixed. And then you look at your Watchmen. Oh my 
God, that song went on for 25 minutes. You know? yeah. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. At the end, the end of it, you're like, holy shit, what did I just see? And the crowd's in a frenzy. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just, and it's a Prince concert, so everybody's making out. You know, yeah. he just sexually charged the whole place, and it, it was starting to get a little musty in there. You know, but you can, you know, it, was, it was insane. It you was can tell, insane. you can tell though. But yeah, Prince he resents having to repeat himself. Like you, you guys remember when he was on the Super Bowl? Yeah, and, yeah. He, and then he get up there and did like. You know, let's go crazy. You could tell he didn't want to do that. Yeah. You could tell he didn't want. He was like, "Man, I just put out a new album. It's really good, man." And but they gave him. He's one of those guys who, who he probably doesn't even think about Purple Rain anymore. He probably doesn't even give a shit about that album. He's like, "Man, I put out." As far as he's concerned, his best album is the one he's making right now. Yeah, I'm willing to bet. And he doesn't give a you damn mean, about Purple Rain. You mean Rain. the 75 he's making exactly. right now? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always laugh because it's like Around the World in a Day is the next album. I love and it. And it's like, album. and it's great, but it's completely like the, the songs. There's like the songs have structure, and there's like yeah. it's very much like very yeah. like mo- it feels very motel. I'm gonna like, make yeah. a traditional like, record. It's like Prince saying, "I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go traditional." Break. Yeah, I'm like, damn, good song. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Album cut the ladder. I mean, that like, yeah. It's like, what? Where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> that was when he was like just discovering Jesus or being open about it. Yes. And then it's like you have this whole like psychedelic like guitar solo jam mm-hmm. that's going on about like searching for God, and you're like, what? Yeah. He's always drifted around in that neighborhood anyway, oh, yeah. though. Of course. But I don't know. I think I think he lost it when he was doing like Get Off, you yeah. know, and uh, Diamonds and Pearls and all that stuff. Cause that's that was straight porno music right there. <laughs> <laughs> what a great song! Yeah, I mean the music of that song. Who's that big? Who's that big fat dude man who's playing drums for? Uh, oh God, I remember him. He was in the he was in the, uh, he was in, the uh, in the uh, New Power Generation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know who he's playing he would, for he now? Would, he would just. Who? He I'm would not even joking. The drums. He's, he's, he's playing. For, he's, he's playing for Soul Asylum now. <laughs> awesome, dude. Awesome. We did it. He's, he's a Minneapolis guy. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's a Minneapolis guy, and they just fire. They just fly his ass out, and like, like it, we we did it. We opened up for them in like July fourth, like three years ago at some place, and it was like Soul Asylum. I was like, that, that's the guy who used to play for Prince. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. You know, he's yeah. playing. He's playing like punk, kind yeah. of Soul Asylum's version of like watered down kind of rock, but he yeah. killed it, crushed yeah. it, absolutely. So anyway, that's my weird Prince drummer story. Let's go around the circle here. Uh, 30 years from now, you think we'll still be talking about Purple Rain? And why? Uh, I think the attention span now is, is really uh, slow. I mean, really, really, really short. Things have a really short shelf life. I think people do recognize quality, but I think we'll be talking about... Uh, people will be talking about Purple Rain uh, the same way we talk about Kind of Blue. Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone will have a copy of it on their iPod, mm-hmm. and everyone will talk about it, and everybody... It will be... Thoroughly recognized you as mean the seminal, brain. right? Yeah, <laughs> it'll be thoroughly, thoroughly recognized as an important and seminal album. Um, but I don't think it'll mean as much to people. Yeah. And, but I think that's just the nature of music more than anything else, you know. Derek, what do you think? Yeah, I think we'll still be talking about it. I'm, I'm hoping that society will implode a little bit. We won't have all this social sharing of everything. Mm. You know, a, a attention span of 0.5 seconds I think we'll get back to appreciating quality and taking time to do so and in that we'll see the inherent goodness and um, 
complexity and amazing work that went into this album. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like like kind of blue, like uh, exile on like Main Street or rumors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Know, there'd be certain things that were just going to you know be cream on on the top, mm-hmm. and this will be one of them. Um, I look at it culturally. I always look at like Purple Rain as one of those records that, like, if you look at where culture is headed, this is a record that will teach people how to live. It's a record that mm-hmm. like has a little bit of everything of everybody at the same time, and you can listen to it, and it makes perfect sense. Like I listened to it last week, and it sounds like 2014. <laughs> the record is from 1984, right. and it sounds like 2014. Yeah. In 2044, it will sound like 2044. Because that's where people's brains are, and more people will probably be able to make their way all the way around it and really understand like what he's talking about and why he's talking about it. Hmm. Yeah, I, and I think much like you know Paul Westerberg and Big Star, he never travels too far without it. I don't travel too far without this album ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been a constant like in my life, and like you said, it teaches you how to live. I mean, that's a grander concept, but like I don't think there's a week in 30 years has gone by that I have not heard this album, mm-hmm. and I think. Hopefully, uh, it'll continue to be not just a kind of blue thing. It'll be passed passed along. Yeah, we have kids. Like the first thing they're going to hear, and it's like you need to hear this. This is how you learn. This is, you know, go for the best, and you can figure out the rest. Hmm. But well, thank you guys for coming. This of course, good, thanks uh, for having uh, us, man. Yeah, we got a good hour talk about. Hope we didn't bore everybody. <laughs> yeah, that runs rain. about. No, man, that's, that's uh, an album that nobody gets tired of talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. not like you're, man. Let's get down here and talk about Lover Boys. Get lucky. <laughs> Next week on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about Billy Squire. Yep. <laughs> well, let's do this again for another album. I suggest Play Deep by the Outfield. You guys can cringe in private. All right. <laughs> uh, see you guys later. All right. All right.